so supplier diversity really is a simple concept. It's about a company like Meta's that relies on thousands of small and medium businesses and large companies all over the globe to get our business run uh, at a global scale. And we hire these companies uh, to do everything from provide the cafe services that our employees get to use uh, to building and networking our data center and everything in between. Have you ever noticed that some of the best ideas come from unexpected places? Your next breakthrough may come from a leader facing similar challenges, but in a completely different sector. Welcome to Chief Influencer. I'm your host, Anthony Shop. Join us as we explore how today's successful leaders inspire, influence, and connect with others. Chief Influencer is a production of Social Driver and the Communications Board, who have teamed up to spotlight how great leaders and communicators are making their impact in the world. This episode is brought to you by the George Washington University's College of Professional Studies. With in-person and online programs, ranging from master's degrees in public relations strategy to certificate programs in digital communications, GW offers more than just the credentials to help working professionals get ahead. It prepares them to be leaders in their field. As a proud GW graduate myself, I can attest that faculty members combine academic rigor with real-world lessons that can't always be found in textbooks. Check out cps.gwu.edu for more information. I'm so excited to introduce today's guest, Jason Trimu. Jason is the Director of Global Supplier Diversity at Meta. He brings to his current role experience at the intersection of the marketplace and social impact in international microfinance, community and economic development, and venture philanthropy. Jason joined Meta in 2016 to create opportunities for diverse-owned firms to do business with Meta and the people and communities it connects. Under his leadership, the company has been widely recognized for its innovative and tech-driven approaches to supplier diversity. Meta has now spent more than $10 billion cumulatively with U.S. companies certified as minority, women, veteran, LGBTQ, or disabled-owned. Prior to Meta, Jason designed and delivered the community impact initiatives for Super Bowl 50, resulting in more than $20 million in grants for Bay Area nonprofits and contracts for local, diverse-owned businesses. Jason earned a bachelor's degree in business administration from Covenant College, a master's in international and development economics from the University of San Francisco, which honored him with their prestigious Professional Achievement Award. And he also completed the executive program in nonprofit leadership from Stanford University's Graduate School of Business. Jason, welcome to Chief Influencer. Thank you so much. It is really a pleasure to be here and to spend some time with you. Well, I am so excited to dive in because, you know, I'm pretty familiar with the world of supplier diversity and, you know, your company and, and you as a leader have been recognized for just the groundbreaking work that you're doing. Um, now, not everybody listening in may be familiar with supplier diversity. So to start off, I wondered if you could talk about, you know, what that means, you know, the importance of supplier diversity, but also the various stakeholders you have to influence in your role? Because I know you have folks on both the inside and the outside that you have to um, educate and advocate to. Yeah, so supplier diversity really is a simple concept. It's about a company like Meta's that relies on thousands of small and medium businesses and large companies all over the globe to get our business run uh, at a global scale. And we hire these companies uh, to do everything from provide the 
cafe services that our employees get to use uh, to building and networking our data center and everything in between. And when we talk about supplier diversity, what we really mean is we want the best companies competing for those opportunities. And so we proactively and intentionally go out to communities, communities that are not lacking for talent, not lacking for scaled enterprises, not lacking for grit, hustle, innovation, all the things that our company needs, but they're often not as well connected to the decision makers uh, who buy those goods and services and services at companies like ours. And our job is to go out and get that talent, that entrepreneurial talent, bring it into the company, position it in front of the right decision makers and let them compete and win the business. So when we compete with more suppliers and especially diverse suppliers who are often, again, not uh, included uh, as equitably in these processes, uh, we're going to get better results. And of course, the economic impact that that creates for these communities um, is critical. So really, supplier diversity is a business strategy. It's not uh, anything other than us wanting to have the best talent competing for our business and helping us execute against our mission as a company. And that's why it's so effective at uh, doing that for companies like Meta. So as you tell that story, it, you know, it becomes clear just immediately that you have to reach those businesses to make them aware of supplier diversity, right? So that they do compete um, for the business. But then you also have to educate those internal stakeholders. Can you talk a little bit about the different approaches you take to influence the various stakeholders that matter to you? Yeah. When I joined Meta in 2016 to launch and lead these efforts, um, I said something then that I still believe is true now, though it may sound a bit uh, counterintuitive, which is I'm not here to change hearts and minds. And so when I think about our internal stakeholders, one thing you should know about Meta is that uh, we are a very distributed procurement organization, meaning we don't have really centralized procurement that drives all of the decisions about which suppliers we use. Now, the great news about that is it creates a lot more open doors for diverse suppliers to compete for and win our business. The challenge is, as a company that has grown uh, quite substantially since the time I started in terms of the employees here, um, there's a lot more people buying goods and services that we have to try to figure out how to get in front of. And so internal audiences, our core stakeholder, the people that buy goods and services, supported, of course, by sourcing managers at our company, we've tried to take the tact of, we want to make sure that our technology internally, the way in which people become aware of these suppliers, the way in which these suppliers have agency themselves in terms of representing themselves internally in our company, we want to make sure that we can scale through technology. So internally, we have, while we certainly talk to anyone who wants to hear about why supplier diversity matters for the reasons I said earlier, we've really tried to just put the right supplier, in our case, it'll happen to be a diverse supplier, We'll try to put the right supplier in front of the right individual or the right group or team buying at the right time. And we will have identified that supplier base first and foremost on the value that they provide and the fact that we believe that they'll be competitive. And by doing that, that has allowed us to really come after the fact and say, hey, did you know the company has made this a priority, increasing the equity and equality in our supply chains? And you've been a part of that because you actually engaged a diverse supplier, awarded that business to a diverse supplier. And I can't tell you the number of times that the stakeholder has said, wow, I didn't even know. And that just makes it so much better. So we have really tried to put the supplier, their qualities in front of the right stakeholder at the right time and let the supplier do the talking, which they do so uh, so well. And then on top of that, build then the narrative internally that those suppliers not only are delivering value for Meta, but of course, they're also delivering value in their communities in terms of the employees they hire, 
the wages they pay, the, the, the taxes and rents, um, and all the ways in which they engage their communities. So to kind of focus on internal for a second, I hear from so many leaders in big companies and small companies that, you know, they'll like email something out and they'll email it out again. And then they'll, you know, somebody will say, well, I didn't know we had that benefit or that we did this thing. And they'll be like, well, we emailed it, you know, like a lot of times. And it's, it's, people are really busy, you know, it's tough to break through in today's environment. Um, you mentioned kind of the human connection and the storytelling with the suppliers is one way of doing that. But I wondered if you could go a little bit deeper on some of the strategies you've found that have been effective as you're trying to um, get the message out internally with stakeholders in a world that, you know, people just sometimes don't read the email. <laughs> That's right. Well, what, one thing is you have to minimize friction. You have to make this as frictionless as possible. As you may know, uh, one of our values here at Meta uh, has been move fast. And we value speed very highly. And so technology enables that. So for example, um, when a lot of uh, organizations that are working to increase equity in their supply chains, think about how to get those suppliers in front of their stakeholders. You know, a lot of the way that these diverse suppliers come into these companies technologically is through these databases that exist out there. Well, while those are helpful, uh, no one's going to remember to go to them. No one's going to remember the login passwords. And so we've done a couple of things to minimize friction in this way. One is all of our internal supplier discovery tools are single sign-on enabled, meaning anyone at Meta who has a meta.com email, when they go to the sites uh, where these suppliers can be found, they don't have to remember anything. They are automatically logged in and the suppliers are there. We've also made sure that we are prompting and nudging at the appropriate points in the procurement process to tell our stakeholders, hey, from what we know of who you've selected for this RFP, it doesn't look like you've included any diverse suppliers. Here's the resource to help you identify. And in fact, not only just here's the resource, here's a couple based on the inputs you've already included that would suggest these suppliers may be a good fit for your opportunity. And so again, both on the front end of making it frictionless, but also on the nudging side to say, hey, our tools will 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 automate that process for you so that again, you're not having to worry about where did that email go? Where does that list exist? I don't remember. We tried to put all of the information and make it as easy for those decision makers to make those decisions and make them in the ways we want them to um, as quickly and effortlessly as possible. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I mean, an extra password or, I mean, it just sometimes we inadvertently put up hurdles that make it harder for people to do the things we want. I can remember a story, um, a leader I know, their company launched this new intranet and in an effort to get people to use it, they made every item in the in the company email newsletter locked behind the intranet. Well, rather than it actually getting people to log in and read them on the intranet, it decreased the readership of the newsletter. So it's like, yep. why why add a hurdle when you could, you know, reduce some friction like you described? I I also was struck by what you said about um finding those wins where people already have done something and reinforcing that behavior, like giving them kudos. And they're like, wow, I didn't even know I did that. It wasn't the reason they did it. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Because I think sometimes that's an underutilized tactic for leaders, for chief influencers to you know, find the bright spots that are already happening and, and use those positive things to shine a light the way you described. That's exactly right. We actually, you know, talk about it. We use this term that I think is is fairly common of surprise and delights. 
the idea that actually you've done something you didn't necessarily know that it was something that uh, was was desired by the the company, and we want to make sure you're rewarded for that. So again, we have um, uh, a very strong tradition at our company of what we call thank spots at Meta. These are opportunities for us to share thanks with people for doing things that uh, can be as small as hey, you opened a door for me as I was juggling my uh, my bag and, and a bunch of stuff. Um, to obviously worked on a major project. And these thank spots go to, uh, of course, the employee, they go to the manager, um, and they're done through literally just using the hashtag thanks in front of the thing you want to say, and then tagging the person in these internal posts and tools. Well, we took that concept to a supplier diversity level and introduced a badge uh, and a thanks bot related uh, hashtag that we called supplier diversity champions. And oftentimes they would follow a thanks for somebody who had done something that um, was related to supplier diversity, for example, maybe they'd taken a capabilities meeting with a diverse supplier that was pitching services. And so our team uh, built campaigns internally to make people aware that this was now available and something that could be, again, automatically um, bestowed upon somebody who'd taken the action simply by using the, the supplier diversity champion hashtag in a message to them in uh, uh, an internal post in our internal uh, tools. And again, it goes to their manager. Um, and then we auto triggered it on things like engaging a diverse supplier in our procurement systems. And so again, people who never necessarily even know that they were doing something that we wanted them to do, were getting these little surprise and delights. And so it's, it's about how do you reinforce behavior by obviously affirming people for doing the things you want them to do, whether or not they knew that that was something that, that they were doing to begin with, which I think is a really powerful way to reward people in a very personal way too, as well. This is not a generic uh, thing. Um, there's more we want to do. There's more we can do um, with, with this notion of, uh, of rewarding good behavior. But I think it's in these small ways that are also, I would say, really important part of our culture. And that I would say is a very important principle out of all of this, which is you have to do the things that work in your culture. You have to do the things, you have to lean in to those aspects of your culture when you're thinking about influencing people to make these types of choices in their procurement. You have to lean into the things that really are things that don't seem out of place. So when these people get these bots, which also turn into badges on their internal profiles, um, little badges that we designed with a diverse supplier that um, are a little graphic that shows up on their on their profile. Um, these are things that are very much a part of our culture, and so we leaned into that to to reward that kind of that that kind of behavior. I love that. It sounds like you know what strikes me about that culture and the examples you shared is that you're treating folks on the inside, you know, almost like you would treat a customer or someone on the outside by giving them, you know, like calling them a champion and making them feel good. Sometimes. Um, we're really nice to people outside, like a customer, and then inside it's like, wow, you're just supposed to do this. And by sharing that affection and that positivity on the inside, I mean, it really helps to get that desired impact, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. There's no, there's no question. I think, you know, a lot of this work is very, um, can be very uh, challenging. You know, I think we, we didn't mention it earlier, but let's, let's also be honest. There's a lot of bias that would predispose people that's a part, you know, to to not want to include diverse supplier based on um, uh, based on uh, unfortunate um, and and wrong biases they have about the quality, about the speed, about the scale, and so to disprove those things, not only do these suppliers have to show up, and you have to show 
um, show the company and the world how these suppliers are delivering results. But you also then have to try to work around those biases. Biases don't change easily. And again, you know, show people that, hey, you're doing the right thing. I'm, I, you, may, you may have these biases. They may have otherwise prevented you from uh, taking action. But when you have taken the action, whether you knew it or not, we're going we're gonna to let you know that, um, that you're doing the right thing. We want you to do more of it. Yeah. Well, and when you say they've done the right thing, their peers see it and go, well, wait a minute, I want to be a champion. I want to get that recognition. So it it helps it to spread in a positive way, just organic. If I can just just on that, because I think it's an actually critical point about another thing we do internally, and I think it's a, it's, a, it's an important part of how we influence, is we are a company that values transparency very highly. We make a lot of information available internally and trust our employees to use that information to advance the mission of the company. And so this is very true for supplier diversity. From day one, not only have we published our annual diverse supplier spend results externally, even though we're under no obligation to do so, it's part of our values. Uh, internally, we want to show uh, different teams how other teams are doing res- with respect to achieving a diverse supplier spend goals. And so that has been helpful, that healthy competition, that so notion of, well, hey, if this company, part of the company can do this in this area, in this category of spend, would I also buy in this category of spend? How can I learn from them? How can I beat them? How can I show that our company and my part of the company can do more? So we've had leaderboards. Um, that are showing um, where different teams are relative to their goals around diverse supplier spend. But more importantly, we don't just want to drive competition to drive things. We want it to be actionable insights from the data. And so we've also showed, hey, in this category, your organization is uh, is achieving this kind of result with diverse suppliers that is above the norm in the company. And so for others who buy, again, those same types of goods and services, they're able to say, hey, let me go talk to somebody on this team, see how they're doing it. Because if they're doing well in this category and I want to do better, I should probably learn some things from them. And so that that radical transparency with how we approach data internally is another way that we use um, use, use information, um, use technology, use uh, that, that kind of visibility in the company to drive results. And it's obviously working. I had two versions of your bio. One said 3 billion in spend. Now it's up to 10 billion in spend. It was like, wow, that's that's like a big increase. And so these efforts are obviously contagious and catching on. Part of that is uh, showcasing internally that this is a way to get the best talent for important work. The other side is, you know, you need to get those companies to um, become part of your ecosystem and become aware so that they bid on opportunities. So I wonder if you could talk a little bit about how do you influence externally the the diverse businesses you want to reach? Um, and, you know, I, I think that that even has a ripple effect to other companies that have supplier diversity programs, which we can talk about through some of the fun things that you've done to get noticed. But but let's pivot to what are the things you think about in terms of expanding your influence outside of the walls of Meta? Yeah, this is a really important uh, focus for us. And it's actually something that we goal against uh, ourselves in terms of how we can uh, inspire, influence the industry. Now, let me be very clear about this. This is not so that Meta can win awards. It's not so that we can be recognized. Our goal is always to uh, try to share the principles that drive our practice. We understand that many companies outside of of Meta, we're 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 a unique company. Other companies, are unique companies. Each company has their own e- ecosystem, their own ethic, their own values. But we think that there are principles in the way we do things that should hopefully. Uh, be applicable in those contexts, no matter what your company practices are. So one of the things we've done, first of all, is, as you said, try to make sure that diverse suppliers know 
that companies like us are looking for them. And this is especially true in markets outside of the US where the concept or the, the supplier diversity as an industry um, is not uh, as, as, as well known. And let me just be clear, entrepreneurship globally is always and has been for years growing fastest in the communities, in these diverse communities that we care so much about. Um, and we could talk, you know, probably a whole nother episode on the reasons for why that is. But what it means practically is that we need to be going to these communities where businesses are starting and growing the fastest to be able to find the talent that we need. And what that means for a lot of these places outside of the U.S. is that we need to say, hey, we're looking for you and we need to go find them where they are. So, of course, we're we partner with all the organizations that um, network these businesses, um, the, the national councils, the global councils. But we also use our products um, and other technology products because businesses exist in a digital age. And so uh, we've used our products. I'll give an example in Brazil, where, of course, um, the predominant, uh, uh, the, the, the majority of the population are, are Afro-Brazilians, are Black. But, of course, the economic reality is that for many of those business owners, um, many of those Black business owners, uh, they are not seeing the economic gains that uh, we want them to see and that they uh, deserve to see for the value they provide. And so we have actually had a campaign running in Brazil. It was run by um, a diverse supplier in Brazil uh, on Instagram that really is not about meta. It's about the concept of supplier diversity. We use the term, and I, of course, unfortunately don't speak Portuguese, so I can't say it in Portuguese, but essentially open the doors, open the doors to diverse businesses. And we partnered with influencers um, in those uh, communities in Brazil from across the diversity spectrum to show who are entrepreneurs, to talk about the value that being a diverse entrepreneur brings to their customers, their clients. And so we had them, the call to action was to go to this site where they could register. And that resulted in uh, hundreds, if not by this point, thousands of businesses that have registered their interest in doing business with us. And these are businesses that um, unfortunately yet are not in the the, the advocacy organizations networks. They're not, they're not members of some of the global organizations where we would find them uh, in, in those databases and services. And so we want to do more along with many other companies to find these businesses, bring them, as you said, into the ecosystem, understand what they do and understand what the opportunities may be. But it started with telling them, hey, we're looking for you. We want to know what you do. We want to know the value you provide. And, and that has been a real um, beautiful thing to see as we see these businesses say, hey, I had no idea. I had no idea I could ever be thought of to do business with a company like Meta. And then to see them do business and to see them see others do business, it has been really inspiring to hear their stories. That's awesome. I mean, that's a really good example where folks may not be as familiar. These businesses in Brazil may not be as familiar with the concept of supplier diversity and sort of part of that. Um, in the United States, supplier diversity is, it, it's still growing, but I'd say it's it's become more mature. Many companies have had programs for decades now. And what that means for small businesses is that there are major conferences and trade shows. And you, know, you go to these events and there are hundreds of booths and there are hundreds of databases that you can sign up for. So it can easily be overwhelming and there can be a lot of um, you know, noise and fatigue, right? Because how do you get your company noticed when there are a hundred other companies at a trade show? Meta has done some things that have really helped it to stand out in a field um, that, you know, um, is, you know, crowded, I guess. And maybe you could talk about what some of those 
strategies and tactics are that you've used to break through in the supplier diversity world in the United States? Yeah, so I'll mention two things. First is kind of how we started when we started this journey uh, now almost eight years ago. And that was to be very present with the right people. So when you mentioned those conferences, we would show up and we would show up with uh, oftentimes 10 plus sourcing managers. These are individuals with subject matter expertise in specific categories. And we would always preemptively tell the uh, the organizers of those organi- of those conferences who we were coming with, what categories we would be looking for. As you can imagine, we use our platforms to do this. So we have our, uh, we've had our Facebook uh, page and our Instagram business profile for years where we would, uh, again, broadcast out to the world. We're going to be here. Here's who we're bringing with us. Here's what we want to meet you uh, to talk about. Here's where to find us. So we were very intentional about doing that. Um, what we have moved into more of now is curation. So we'll still bring people, but what we want to do now is actually go into a place a conference, a trade show floor, and have intent to go meet with the suppliers directly that we want to meet with. And that's just coming from a place of being a little more mature in our efforts. The other thing, of course, we try to do is we try to really help people understand that supplier diversity, I I appreciate that you use the word mature. I have used the word stagnant. And I say that respectfully and with all the love and affection that I have for this industry. But the reality is, is the entire databases combined represent still just a small fraction of the actual businesses that are out there. And as wonderful as these conferences are, again, the businesses that don't even know still after 60 years of this work in the US as an industry that still don't know that this 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 field exists, um, we have a lot more work to do to get out and educate people on the value that these businesses are bringing and get more people aware of how they need to engage if they want to have more inclusive supply chains and frankly, deliver better business results. So most recently, for example, at one of these large national conferences, we partnered with the US Minority Business Development Agency, part of the Department of Commerce. And there's something that that agency does every year, which is celebrate Minority Enterprise Week or Med Week, as it's called. And we partnered with that agency to bring those Med Week um, organizations that they were honoring and the celebration of supplier diversity into a virtual reality experience that was developed by a diverse supplier, activated by another diverse supplier at one of these conferences. And the point was really to say, hey, supplier diversity, the impact of minority businesses in this case, um, this notion that the contributions that these types of diverse suppliers are making doesn't have to be something that we just read on a website or we hear at a conference, we can actually experience it immersively. And so we brought people into a virtual reality experience um, through one of our products and and, and one of our um, apps in in that product. And it was really an opportunity to showcase this 60-year-old concept, if you will, um, this industry that is sometimes perceived as as being old school and, and bring it very clearly to show that, no, it's not an old school thing. It's a very very current and forward-looking industry, but we have to be able to tell this story to a new generation. And we have to tell it in ways and through modes that this generation uh, is consuming, that this generation of entrepreneurs is consuming. And again, I would say, you know, these businesses are digital. They're Whether they're good, providing a good or a service, they have a digital presence and we need to find ways to do more to meet them in that digital presence and then showcase them um, through those digital uh, channels to, to the world. Yeah, and I think that's such a good lesson for any leader. I mean, obviously, Meta has Quest and it has, you know, I mean, and so you leveraged um, your own, you know, technology, but for the world is increasingly digital. Every business, every person has some 
level of digital uh, presence and persona that they have to think about. And, um, you know, finding ways to do that, that makes sense for your own business, whatever that may be, is really critical if you want to have influence and you want to get noticed in today's world. I mean, it just is essential to breaking through. And I have a feeling that having Meta in the room at an event like that and showcasing its technology kind of puts some pressure, some positive peer pressure on others to think about what are we going to, you know, just like if somebody had really good snacks at their table, it's going to make other people notice and go, okay, what are we going to have at our table next year? You elevating and raising the bar with technology is going to force other companies to think about how do we break through and, um, you know, add some some ripples to that that stagnant pool, perhaps. Yeah, this this really is about moving the industry forward. Again, it's, uh, you know, we were, we're really proud of the products we build. We're really proud of the technologies and the way we can apply that in a context like this. But it's really about, again, the principle of the thing, not exactly the practice. And I think the principle here is embrace transformative technologies. The businesses you're trying to meet and engage with, your future customers, they're all doing that. So if you're not doing that, you really are going to be left behind. And I think this industry will really benefit. And when I say this industry, meaning supplier diversity and this notion of increasing the equity in our supply chains and, and the business practices that we use to increase that equity, we have to be thinking about where businesses are and where they're going to be in the future. And and and, and through all these different technologies, um, that's that's a way to, to go where they are and meet them there. You know, I mentioned it briefly in your bio at the intro, but I, I'd love to talk about it a little bit more because I think it's related. The work that you did around Super Bowl 50 and the impact that that made, not just in the short term, but the impact in the long term. Would you mind telling us a little bit more about that? Yeah. So first of all, it's, you know, one of the things that I'm I'm probably most proud of in my career, um, mainly because of just the incredible people I was able to work around, both at the Super Bowl 50 host committee, which is uh, an independent organization that is uh, partnered with the NFL to execute a Super Bowl in that jurisdiction. But probably most importantly, of course, all the businesses and all the grantees of the nonprofit. So I had two kind of hats that I wore um, which was running our supplier diversity efforts, but also designing and executing uh, our philanthropic efforts. And 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 I want to give credit. They, the chairman of our Super Bowl host committee had said this is going to be the most philanthropic uh, in giving Super Bowl in history, and it was. And that took leadership there. But now how do we execute that? And what we tried to do was to say, look, you might not have this goal in your future Super Bowl host city, but what we want to try to do is show you how it can be done. And then we really would like you to do it better than us next time, because that's what it's about is raising the bar. So I'm really proud of some of the things we did around supplier diversity in partnership with the NFL that um, eight years later, I'm see- still seeing today uh, show how we showcase suppliers. I mean, this is about influence. And one of the things that's incredibly challenging with the Super Bowl, of course, is everyone knows what it is. It's the biggest um, single day sporting event, uh, watch sporting event still. Um and it feels so far. It feels so, so, so grand. How could a, how could a, how could a, a pastry chef who makes incredible sweet potato pies in the Bayview in San Francisco uh, be a part of a Super Bowl? Yet she was, and she was because, of course, her product is great, <laughs> her story is great, uh, her execution is great, and there was a bridge through these efforts because we were able to showcase companies like hers to the Super Bowl to the various teams, um, not so much the sports teams, but the various um, uh, teams, the, the, the comms teams, the sponsorship teams, um, the safety teams, um, and say, hey, look, 
You're going to need snacks. You're going to need all these different things. And we've got a roster of vetted uh, businesses that are ready to execute um, and help you achieve your goals. And that was really something that had never really been done in that way before for a Super Bowl, where we were able to bring this showcase forward, um, where all the NFL sponsors and all of the major producers were in town. We were able to put on essentially our own expo, something that hadn't been done this way, and it's still being done today. And so I think, again, the goal here is you need to do and 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 frankly take responsibility for all the advantage that you have in the moment that you have it and then you need to be transparent about what you've done both the successes and the failures so that others who are going to repeat that process or repeat that opportunity in years to come can do so and 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 like you said earlier you know kind of you know with that competitive edge say hey they did that that was amazing we can do it better then we all win, right? The the yeah. businesses win, the communities win, and you win. And 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 this is something that I think we can all take a lot of pride in. I don't care that anybody knows that it was us in Super Bowl Fifty that did some of these things. What I care now about is that the Super Bowls that are happening now are still doing those things, and future Super Bowls will even raise those stakes even higher. You know, I think that is such a cool story to hear what you did at Super Bowl Fifty and how you know, those practices, you know, people may even forget where they came from, but it doesn't matter because they're still doing it. And, um, you know, a leader doesn't want to have influence today. And then when they're not in the room or when they're not in the building or when they're not in the industry, that things just go back to the way they were. Right. But that's hard to have that sustained influence when you're not there. And I think that's a really good example of how you've done that. And, um, I wonder if you could share a little bit more about kind of what you hope to see in terms of the future of the supplier diversity industry, whether in the U.S. or globally, what sort of, um, you know, where do you see things going and what sort of sustained change do you hope will continue, perhaps even inspired by some of the things that you and Meta are doing? Yeah, well, one of them is that we have to accelerate payments to diverse suppliers. And Let's just think about this for a second. We know that on any day, uh, more than $3.1 trillion is owed by large companies to mostly small and medium businesses that provide goods and services to them. In effect, that makes these small companies with much less robust balance sheets financing these large companies with much more robust balance sheets. And we know already from data that every dollar that's accelerated to a supplier, particularly a small and medium business supplier or a diverse supplier, results in 10 cents of net new wages, of, of wage increases, excuse me, most of it coming from net new jobs. So when we are saying, on the one hand, as an industry, we want to increase contracting opportunities with diverse owned companies uh, or small businesses, as the government has been trying to do, of course, for years, and yet we take 60 90, even 120 days to pay them, I I just feel we're being disingenuous. So one of the clear changes that I'd like to see our industry embrace is what we do here at Meta, which we call our net now principle, which operationally means once a supplier has uh, the ability to submit an invoice and it's approved internally, uh, they're paid immediately. Um, And and this practice, of course, is something that uh, companies can do without federal mandates or laws being passed. The CPOs, the chief, uh, the the treasurers can make that determination. And uh, yes, is there going to be a cost? Maybe there's a little bit of um, a, a loss of investment opportunity. But on the flip side, what we know to be true is that these businesses 
are the lifeblood of our communities. These small and medium businesses are the ones that are out there engaged in the civic activities. They're the ones that are out there uh, paying rents in local local markets. And the faster they get their money, the faster they can play their suppliers. And that's a virtuous cycle that will benefit us all. So I'd love to see us look at how we can accelerate our payments to, to diverse suppliers. And I think or just related to that, this notion of how do we really reward uh, success in this industry? Um, this is somewhat controversial, and, and I think there's a lot of good opinions on, on, on different sides about this. But I think what we've done for too long is really acknowledged companies that spend a lot of money. You know, we've spent $10 billion, and I'm very proud of that. And I, wouldn't, I wish it was more. But the reality is, is there's much smaller companies that are doing incredibly well when it comes to diverse supplier uh, inclusion, spend, interesting development programs, the way that they're bringing capital to these diverse suppliers. And they're not lauded because, you know, they're small companies and they don't, they're never going to spend a billion dollars or, um, and, and, and I want to find ways to celebrate again, the practices that should really be industry standards. So whether you're a large company, a small company, whether you're a publicly traded company or you're a diverse supplier yourself, you could implement these practices. And I think we would see this, this concept of, of, of equity in our supply chains just. Um, just increase. The other, the last thing I'll say around this, and I, I'm really hopeful for the industry, is we can have a much greater commitment to transparency. One of the things that I think has been challenging for a lot of companies, including Meta when we started, was okay. Well, who do we look to? Where where are the standards? And um, were it not for a lot of our tech peers and our ability as part of organizations like TechScale, which is a, a third party uh, independent NGO that is technology companies in the in the supplier diversity space, were it not for those peer relationships, um, getting started would have been a lot harder. And I think what we need to do is have much more radical transparency in our industry. Talk about your successes. Talk about your failures. Have forums where we're not just patting ourselves on the back, but we're really digging in deep. And yeah. approaching some of these systemic issues as coalitions, as collaboratives, we shouldn't just be solving this for Meta. Meta can do great work increasing the spend with diverse suppliers, increasing opportunity. Um, but we are, as big as we are, we're incredibly minuscule in a global economy. And so how can we partner together um, better as companies, better as coalitions? And I think transparency would help us do that because we'd be willing to talk about um, what we're doing in a much more transparent fashion. I think that would also incredibly help the industry to advance. Yeah, I think you make a great point, which is often in industries, there are like these stage moments where you can shine a light on the good stuff, but you know, you're know, you never going to talk about what's not working in those moments, right? And finding a venue to come together to share things that aren't necessarily working so that there can be collaboration to address those. Because obviously, if you can if anybody could fix it on their own, they, they they probably would have, right? So it requires that collaboration. Um, so I think that's a really good point. I wanted to ask you kind of as our as our wrap-up question, I know a lot of the leaders that we talk to say that they get inspiration for how they influence outside of their own industry, right? They already know what the industry is doing. They're sort of looking at other spaces for it. And I wonder if there are areas outside of the industry you work in, you know, the tech field or supplier diversity world where you've gotten inspiration that has, um, you know, influenced how you influence, I guess. 
Yeah, it's a great question. And uh, I am a foodie. I love food. I love to eat. Uh, I do like to cook. I'm not great at it, but I love the thought process and the creativity. Um, and so I look at chefs um, and kitchens um, and really hospitality as an area that I take a lot of inspiration from. And there's a couple things about it that I think are important. One is I love that there's an immediate feedback loop. Um, this notion that, you know, you when you're trying to solve big issues like uh, you know, diversity, equity, and inclusion in supply chain, and you're trying to really beat back systemic uh, discrimination and persistent racism and other things that have blocked these these businesses, you know, it can feel like, wow, you know, this is, am I ever making progress? And I love the fact that in a kitchen or in a hospitality industry, you're getting immediate feedback. The, the plate comes back, it wasn't up to, to par, um, or obviously on the positive side, you get, you get rave reviews and, you know, compliments to the chef. And I love the notion there. And I try to take that into Again, I think it ties back to transparency, getting feedback on your results, not feeling like putting yourself out there, which chefs and hospitality industry do every night. Um, you know, not putting yourself out there is 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 uh, if you don't put yourself out there, you don't get you don't get feedback. And I think in this long arc that we are pushing towards for for more equity, we need those moments where we're getting feedback. Are we on the right track? Are we directionally um, aligned? And so I try to um, try to be very transparent. I'm not looking for a uh, uh, just yes, yes, Jason, that's great. Or yes, that's because meta, that's great. I'm looking for, you know what, have you thought about this? Have you, have you tried this? And that helps me kind of adjust my approach. I think of course, the other thing that I love about the hospitality industry and, and cooking, and I, I, I read a lot of cookbooks and I, I watch a lot of cooks on, on the various social, social media channels. And, um, I love that there's, uh, uh, food is this universal, language, right? And there's riffs on that language. Um, there's roots that are deep in all cultures. And then there's riffs on those those roots. And I love that fact that, um, you know, in supplier diversity and, and in the way I lead, um, I'm really not coming up with a lot of new ideas. I'm taking things that I've seen out there and I'm riffing on it. And I think we should be more inclined to say, hey, somebody may have had this thought already. Let me see if I can find that nugget of an idea. And then again, how would I apply it in a context like Meta? It may not apply in the context of another company, but the root idea, the nugget that's there is the same. The recipe, if you will, is there. And then you obviously are going to adjust. Maybe what you have in the kitchen is you don't have that ingredient, but you have something that'll work. And I think uh, this notion of getting that feedback quickly of being able to riff off of uh, existing recipes, um, and then inspire others, I think is really the final thing is like you have a meal. Um, and we see the chefs all the time talk about, you know, having a meal at this restaurant, and then taking that back into their own kitchens. And I think that idea of like, hey, like that's an incredible idea. I'm going to try to take that on um, and inspire, you know, people to do that. And I think um, or a great technique or a great approach um, and I think that's also something that we should really be more aware of is where can we find those ideas and bring them into our organization um, and, 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 and see them take root there. And, and, and like we said, years from now, now no one will know the origin story and that's okay because it's now the standard practice and, and, um, and, and we're all better for it. Yeah. I love the recipe analogy because, you know, the recipe that works for today, to your point, the ingredients I happen to have on hand or what I'm feeling, I may need to tweak it tomorrow. Right. And so having that freedom to collaborate and you know, do that yourself, but also collaborate with others and let them kind of use your your recipe. Um, that one works for me. And of course, now we know why you use the example of the sweet potato pie at the Super Bowl was the immediate supplier example. Your love of food pulled you to that. It was a delicious pie. It was a delicious pie. I bet many more people have had it now because of the work that you've done. So, well, 
Jason, congratulations on your recognition as a chief influencer and congratulations on the success that you've had at Meta. And just, I know you've gotten so much wide recognition in your own industry for really, um, you know, breaking through and where should folks look for you or look for the supplier diversity program if they want to learn more? Yeah, well, uh, you can find me across uh, any number of channels, but, uh, you know, professionally, LinkedIn, certainly. Um, I would encourage you to follow our uh, Meta Supplier Diversity uh, Facebook page or our Instagram business profile. Um, you'll see links there also to the the Instagram page that we have specifically in Brazil. Um, so obviously, uh, if you know Brazilian uh, businesses, uh, please uh, uh, please spread that page and share it out. Um, and that's really a place that you can find uh, both what we're doing. And I would say, and I appreciate the 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 acknowledgement, but but this is also where you can really be inspired by the people I'm inspired by every day, which is the diverse suppliers, the leaders um, of these companies, um, and 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 who are who are really the reason why we do this work. So uh, yeah, check them out there and and hear their stories, and then go figure out how you can make this a part of your organization, your company. Um, we'll all again be better for it. Yeah, I think it's such a good reminder, whether you're a mega enterprise like Meta or even a small business, there are ways to um, make sure you include diverse suppliers in your in your supply chain. And we'll, we'll have some maybe more resources to share about that. We'll put the links that you mentioned in the show notes. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. Thank you. Really, really have appreciated the conversation and the opportunity. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Chief Influencer, a production of Social Driver and the Communications Board. If you know a leader who should be featured as a chief influencer, please nominate them at chiefinfluencer.org. For show notes and more, visit us at chiefinfluencer.org or follow Chief Influencer on LinkedIn. Until next time.